Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So today's podcast is with Professor Brayton Polka, uh, Professor Emeritus at uh, York University. He has a new book coming out very soon called In the Beginning is Philosophy. It's on desire and the good. That's the subtitle. And Brayton uh, published an essay in a collection of uh, essays that uh, Jason Robinson and I edited together called Irreconcilable Differences. And I met him a few years ago at the Kierkegaard Circle at the University of Toronto, a group of people who meet a couple times a year to talk about the philosophy of Kierkegaard, to listen to talks and to think through some of his existentialism, some of his thinking and some of his uh, approaches and his uh, ideas about you know life and other important things. And so Brady and I sat down and we chatted in Toronto recently and we talked about a lot of really interesting stuff. We talked about how wisdom really comes uh, through action and about how he doesn't really believe in in the good old days and how he's not a nostalgist. I think we may have come up with a new word. And we talked about a Nietzschean concept, about how we have to become the person that we are and about how philosophy is not a rehearsal for death, as Socrates says, but it's a rehearsal for life and how uh, we need to be the author of ourself. And let me tell you, um, he's an interesting guy. He's a professor of humanities. He's a professor of literature. He's a professor of philosophy. He knows a great deal about a great many things. You're going to enjoy it. Look for his new book called In the Beginning is Philosophy, Professor Brayden Polka. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are uh, uh, in Toronto today, actually, downtown Toronto, kind of a dark uh, gray day outside. And we're here with uh, Professor Brayton Polka from York University, Professor of Humanities, um, a guy, a scholar, a writer, a thinker, and uh, a friend. Um, um, uh, Professor Polka and I met at a Kierkegaard Circle meeting. Thanks uh, for joining us today. Well, I'm most happy. Thank you very much, David. So, so there's probably not too many people, and if my wife Elizabeth was here, she would be laughing now that you and I <laughs> met at the Kierkegaard Circle meeting uh, on a Friday night. Uh, two, two meetings a year, I think, uh, a very small kind of uh, eclectic bunch. Um, I'm not going to answer this question, and I want to get into a little bit of autobiography in a second, but 
Why, why does anybody want to go to a Kierkegaard Circle meeting on a Friday night in Toronto? Well, I have two simple answers, David. First is we are scholars, and, and, the, and the area could be anything that we would, would bring scholars together. Uh, I think in for, for us today, and particularly Kierkegaard, uh, because he was and remains, it seems to me, I think, and we many would agree, one of the most exciting thinkers uh, that, uh, that we, we've had in, the, in what I call the European tradition of, of philosophy. Would you call him? Um, would you call him the father of existentialism? In that's regards? a you know that's a that's a, a traditional question, uh, and uh, and uh, I think yes in the sense um, that he always puts this emphasis, as you well know, on the single individual, and so on the responsibility of a single individual for his or her existence. Uh, and so in that sense, the, the, the concept of existence or what it means to be, uh, I think, has a long tradition of, of thinking and, uh, and, and speculation. Uh, and we also can think of our, our, our great authors uh, in terms of the literary arts and, and, and musicians and, and, and people in the fine arts. But yes, uh, you know, I think that he, he probably focuses now in a, in a new concentrated fashion on what it really means to what he calls to come into existence. So when you say what it means to be, what you mean, what it means to be human? I th- very nicely put, yes, yeah. I, I would agree with that, yes. Uh-huh. And, and yet what's always so interesting about Kierkegaard, so perhaps the one reason one might hesitate as to whether he's the father of existentialism, because at the same time he puts this enormous emphasis on what he calls the absolute relationship to the absolute, that is the relationship between the human being and God. Uh, and so probably today we don't think of Jean-Paul Sartre or perhaps even Heidegger uh, as putting this emphasis on God, but that was always central, uh, as you well know, uh, to the thinking of Kierkegaard. So you're a professor of humanities. You've, I've heard you say even just moments ago, describe yourself as an, an interdisciplinary thinker, philosophy, literature, religion, and so on. Uh, you're still doing some graduate teaching. That, that, um, that is correct. Um, and I did want to say that, and, and I, we have to talk about this, but uh, Professor Polka's new, new book coming out uh, in the near future uh, is called In the Beginning Was Philosophy. You know, uh, in the Beginning Is Philosophy. In the Beginning Is the Philosophy. Nice. Thank you. Uh, and the subtitle On Desire and the Good. I mean, I think we could spend the next 40 minutes talking about desire and the good. I would agree. Yeah. But so maybe... I mean, can you, can you sort of talk a little bit about your love for philosophy clearly, your humanities uh, background, and how it kind of relates into this, this new book that you're, you're, you're writing? I, I, I think I can. That's a, that's a big order. It's a big, uh, it's a big uh, question. Uh, 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 and you have three minutes to answer that. Question. Right, okay. <laughs> so, um, I mean, so, so let me say that I take the notion of philosophy, perhaps, in, say, in light of Kierkegaard, in terms of your earlier uh, question, uh, in terms of what it means to be human or what, 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 what really constitutes human existence. Um, and, um, and in that sense, I'm very struck uh, by the formulation, this actually comes from the great Jewish uh, philosopher Spinoza uh, in the later 17th century, uh, in which he talks in two sentences about the relationship of desire and the good. And he says, we do not desire something because it is the good in itself. In fact, what we desire is the good. So in very simple terms, human desire, that is the desire to be, 
is what in fact constitutes the good for human beings. And so we have this, this extraordinary understanding uh, that it's human desire, human will, human concern, human work, human effort, uh, the whole human enterprise is that we actually then define uh, or constitute, we establish through our relationships with each other and through our relationships then with, with all that is, including the world of nature, uh, what really constitutes then for us the good. And if I have time, just one, one final comment. I mean, there's much to say about this, but that's also why we have notions of both good and evil. Because when I desire something that I don't think you should desire, or I put my desire above yours, uh, uh, therefore I discriminate against you, uh, uh, or I view you as unequal or my inferior, then we have the proper notion of evil. Uh, and so we, we, it's precisely the relationship of desire and the good that, that allows us to think through what we mean both by good and by evil. Sorry for, you know, these kinds of interviews, it's the worst form of reductionism of, of all kinds, it seems to me. But what is the good? I mean, you know, small I'm, I'm, g, capital Okay, I, I'm, and so it's, it's wonderful to, to be asked that question. And so they, I'm going to make... I'm going to try to make two points, if I yeah, may, yeah, in, in response to that. The first is in a historical issue, but fundamental to philosophy, is that Spinoza's point is that the good is not what Plato calls the good. It's not the good in terms of, of completely separate from human beings, uh, uh, and therefore, in fact, you have to subordinate your desire to the good. So, in fact, the good is, I mean, and he puts it in very simple terms, it's precisely uh, the golden rule of the Bible, both Jewish and Christian, to do unto others what you want others to do unto you, or the other great formulation, uh, to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's uh, Spinoza. And that is Spinoza. I mean, I mean literally and, and comprehensively, yes. And in fact, I may, another point, again, becomes technical, um, but uh, uh, in one of his two great works, and I can talk in detail about which that is but for the moment, uh, he actually uh, makes very clear that what he calls both philosophy and theology uh, share the content of what he calls charity, or in other words, love. Uh, and fundamentally, of love, of course, can mean love of neighbor, I should say. It can mean, it does mean that, but it can also, of course, uh, in fact, uh, really establish the notion of politics, that again, that the politics, the, the notion of the good, is going to become then our, our great, for instance, uh, principles of justice and freedom and equality, because it's, it's always within the framework of that relationship, which is reciprocal uh, among and between human beings. don't think I've ever heard it quite said that, that philosophy shares this quality of love with theology in that sense. And, and is that uh, like the, the lover of wisdom? Or is that the lover of the neighbor? Well, I, 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 again, a very thoughtful question. I, I would probably want to reverse that and say that if we have a proper understanding of love of neighbor, then we have a proper understanding or a true understanding of wisdom. So again, wisdom is in our relationships. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's not some kind of special feat in which I have knowledge of some something supernatural. Uh, but which would be more sort of Plato. Exactly correct, yeah. that's yeah. right. But wisdom is always action. Uh, and so because, I mean, the good is always, in fact, you have to, you have to act, you have to right. relate to your human, human being in, in whatever, in whatever so, context. So what you're doing, all of a sudden what you're doing for me, which I'm getting a shiver, I love this stuff, but it's, it's taking what most people would say, oh, gee, that's so theoretical, and Spinoza, are you kidding me? I'm not going to read that. But you're actually saying, hang on a minute, 
This is about action. I mean, we're not even 10 minutes in and we're already talking about loving others, about doing good or doing something actionable towards others. Absolutely. And that excites the hell out of me from a, from a social justice perspective or from an international development perspective or from an extreme poverty perspective. Or, or we might even say, and I agree with all of that, Dave, we might also add to that in terms of today's concerns, environmentalism, environmentalism uh, and, yeah. and conservation, because it's also, in fact, how we look upon you know, the world of nature, uh, of course, of which we are a part. So, so this isn't just about talking about what's good. This is about the good life. That's right. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, and, and so again, I think when you put it that way, what comes to my mind, I guess as a philosopher, uh, is we have to be very careful uh, to give up these oppositions between doing and thinking, uh, or between doing and speech. I mean, there can be false doing and there can be false speech, but, but, but thoughtful speech is always an action. Uh, and just as action can be stupid action, but, but in principle it's thoughtful action in which you always, in fact, uh, have care for and concern for uh, your neighbor or your, 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 you know, your fellow human being. Do you th so you've been teaching a long time um, and, and, and in a variety of disciplines. Uh, let's just go a little bit uh, academy-like here for a second. What are students like today? Do, are students thoughtfully active? Are they are they engaged? Do that's they... a that's a that's a delightful question, David. Give me a moment to share <laughs> share with you yeah. my kind of more general interests here. Uh, I certainly do not believe in just the good old days, uh, you know, <laughs> okay, and uh, and uh, and uh, and therefore everything gets worse. I also don't believe that, that what we call, I mean, you you and I have been talking before uh, this this interview uh, in terms of your interest now in, in the podcast method and the whole what, what the internet provides for us today, and all of this is remarkable. But I'm not one of those who thinks that these kinds of technical changes really indicate any fundamental change in terms of how we think about ourselves, how we relate to ourselves, of course there is change. I mean, the, I mean, you know, part of the you know, obviously enormity of world history is always this movement, and now we have it in Asia, uh, always the movement, I mean, in China, for instance, uh, from the rural to the urban, and so, uh, you know, and, and, and that's an extraordinary movement. But in terms of your question then, uh, it is not my general sense uh, I'll put it positively. I think students today, uh, I mean, let's talk about undergraduate students, and let's say they're out of high school, 18, 19 years old. I think they face broadly the same issues uh, today that I faced in my generation or perhaps even my parents and, and their generation. There perhaps is one exception, however, not maybe one exception. There, there's one area of which is, I think, difficult for, uh, for those of us who were since brought up and continue to work in, I'm going to call the European uh, tradition of humanities. Uh, I'm, I'm an absolute uh, believer in, 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 uh, in, in multiculturalism uh, and obviously the integration of the largest possible numbers of different kinds of people on the globe. But it also means in the classroom, uh, let's say at a university here in Ontario, uh, we no longer can count, and there's, a, there's something bad about this or something perhaps you know, untoward, or there's also something positive, we no longer can count directly on a kind of shared body of knowledge and information. Uh, so very often, I mean, students won't have heard of, 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 say, major thinkers or major writers or major musical composers uh, in the last two or three hundred years. Uh, and, but, uh, but in principle, it seems to me, the issues of learning how to read a text, to think critically, to write thoughtfully, uh, you know, if we want to say to become a, a good person, uh, that, that, that doesn't change. So to be a good person, um, you have to be 
engaged. Absolutely. You have to be thinking through issues, whether mm -hmm. they're political or religious mm -hmm. or relational mm -hmm. or yeah. mathematical. Mm -hmm. yeah. It, it kind of doesn't matter for you. It's, 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 uh, it's not a pro process. I don't like the word process, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's an engagement. It's an engagement, exactly. And, and I, I like the old-fashioned word. It's work. Now, not work in, in some sense of just the slave labor, but I mean it takes effort. Effort, it, it, yeah. it, it does take it does take concentration. Uh, I'm, I'm talking largely about the effort of spirit, obviously, uh, in terms of body, yes. But I'm talking about, in fact, that kind of courage. Uh, and uh, Paul Tillich, I mean, you would know the significant uh, Protestant theologian, the courage to be, uh, I mean, to, 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 to undertake your life. Uh, it's going to involve some risk. Uh, let's hope it involves some good humor. It's going to involve some suffering. Uh, and uh, and some and some uh, some knockarounds or some or some uh, uh, some stumbling and um, but in principle uh, you know with the help of others often it could be a parent or a, a friend or a lover or a mentor you know you pick yourself up uh, and uh, and you continue uh, but uh, but but that kind of uh, that kind of fundamental uh, human will uh, to again to, to to be you strike me uh, you know I don't know you that well yet but you strike me as a very positive thinker an optimist in a sense and maybe not maybe close those close to you would say oh no he's a very cynical guy <laughs> um, but as you walk the streets as you uh, ride the the, the the public transit and you teach and read and so on read the newspapers do you um, you're not a you know you're not a nostalgist uh, <laughs> but are we moving in the right direction are we moving more towards thoughtful action I mean I you know, I've got two young kids. I'd like to think, you know, we every every day they walk out the door. We say we say to them, you know, be kind, be curious, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 don't forget to, to mm -hmm. dig a little deeper. And 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 but is is that happening everywhere? Well, that's a, that's one of those profound questions, and I certainly don't pretend that I have any more insight than any other, perhaps even less insight. Uh, you know, it seems to me that we could, we could refer to a couple of just general facts. I mean, perhaps facts is the wrong word, uh, general conditions. And I think in that sense, uh, you know, uh, we are moving in the right direction. Uh, one, I'm always struck by, you know, the, uh, uh, the insight that there is no evidence at all in the world that democracies have ever gone to war against each other. So there's something about once we, in fact, do establish broadly the notion of human peace with each other, and which, again, is respect for the other, respect for the human dignity of each person, uh, that we are at peace uh, uh, with each other. And, uh, but that's an enormous effort, and obviously, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, this does not make democracy perfect. We always right. have our issues we have to deal with. But I'm talking about in general, as opposed to authoritarian regimes uh, of whatever nature. Uh, the second thing, uh, it's, uh, and we know we now have enormous violence in the world, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, especially in the in the, in the Middle East, and it's very frightening, uh, and uh, and I think we, we must deal with it. I mean, I have no solution as such to it as such, uh, but we do know in general, and I think we can say that the good historians know, uh, that there is, not, notwithstanding the, the horrors of World War I and World War II, and not to mention the Holocaust, uh, that there is much less human violence in the world today than prior to 1900. Uh, and in terms of just, just how people live their lives, in terms of you know, even bringing up children, and we can go on and on about that, uh, just does not again make our, our life to, uh, 
to get a life today uh, ideal, and it doesn't mean we have to, we can be lazy about it or self-indulgent, uh, etc. But it does mean, it seems to me, that we can believe that you, when you, as you say, you 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 see your children out the door to go to school, uh, you can be hopeful in terms of their future and what they can bring to that life. And there's a there there, and yet there has to be an intentionality there. There has to be a a, a purposive. Um, approach. So we, we try to engage our kids. When we watch movies together, we ask questions. They ask us questions uh, of their books, the drawings they do. Why did you do this? I mean, trying to go, you know, peel back some of those layers, hoping and trusting that this develops this way of seeing the world, yeah. rather than sweeping it under the carpet, which I have, I have a comment on that. Yeah, if please, I, if yeah, I may have a comment, yeah, no, I think right. I think that's beautifully put, and I, I I would agree with that completely. And I think perhaps one of the things when you ask about how are we doing today in terms broadly speaking, moving forward or just you know holding our own or perhaps even going backwards, uh, I think one does worry about today in terms at least you you read in the papers and 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 the media and online and so on, on the internet. Uh, I mean, are for instance parents and children today spending that kind of really valuable time with each other that perhaps you know. I mean, I did with my parents, but you—you're you, saying obviously in your family, you—you you, know—you—you you have real engagement. And I remember, in a sense, uh, and you know, one doesn't know this as a child, but be, uh, as a, you begin to become an adult and then begin to look back on uh, your own uh, family history, I'm struck. It would—I would say for for me, for us, there were there were two parents, and I had a sister. Uh, there were four of us, uh, and I was the younger of the two children. Uh, that it was it was just the evening meals together, mm. uh, and uh, because lunch we I mean my father worked and my mother normally was a homemaker, uh, but uh, but we kids were at different schools and then uh, and but 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 we got together always I mean unless there was something had come up of course but we got together always for dinner and that was always a conversation uh, and, and basically you know what you know what, what what did you do for at school today Brady or so on uh, and then we we begin to talk about perhaps issues in the world or what my mother was doing or what somebody was thinking or what a book you were reading uh, but there was real conversation uh, and uh, and I think that is so so essential uh, you know to you know to our humanity there's a sense which I think you know uh, dialogue is it seems to me anyway from my reading of most of the modern existentialist dialogue is central mm -hmm. to to what they're thinking about and and where they're heading. It's this dialectics, I suppose you could say, this back and forth, this uh, what, what, what's kind of a what's next mm -hmm. kind, of, kind of an approach to relationships. Mm -hmm. So there's this unknown aspect. So mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a risk involved mm -hmm. in any relationship. Mm -hmm. So, so how, how do we, um, and I don't know that there's a, there's, a, there's a single answer to this question, but how do we continue to, 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 to peel back those layers? You know, I, I think, you know, all philosophy begins in wonder, which to me is about asking a good question, really, you know, the mystery of it, the unknown, the uncertainty. And yet here we are as philosophers trying to get closer to that precision and that certainty, and yet all the while not really <laughs> getting closer. Yeah. And yet isn't it a part, isn't that relationship built on that, that back and forth, that risk, that, you know, use the courage to be, mm -hmm. you know, Tillich's mm -hmm. phrase, mm -hmm. which I think is wonderful in relation to what we're talking about. So I'm just wondering, how do you instill that? You know, I, I, how, do you, I, I, how do you get politicians? How do you get Middle Eastern thinkers? You know, the Taliban, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yeah, to say, I, guys, for the love, can we get in a room and 
chat about this? Sure. You know? Well, I, corny, it, but well, it is corny, David, yeah. in, in the best sense. But it uh, but but it, it's it's the truth or the wonder, if you want to put it that way. Uh, the, the more traditional biblical concept would be the miracle, but all all all, mm-hmm. all the same. I don't I I don't know. Uh, and um, uh, you know, when we bring these things into into politics, even within democratic politics, say within Canada today, uh, uh, that's not so easy to talk about in terms of what we do. And then we, if we introduce obviously world conflicts, and we think, I guess I guess. I don't know that I take any encouragement in the following, David, but, uh, but at least one can perhaps be slightly hopeful. We can think, uh, you know, within the recent past, uh, and then obviously, certainly, I mean, several hundred years ago, uh, I mean, think about uh, fanatical Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, and one can think of, you know, it looks like Northern Ireland uh, is, you know, is, is working its way through a peaceful situation. Uh, how extraordinary that in the Republic of Ireland, just very recently, uh, obviously there was a public vote in support of, uh, of same-sex marriage, who could have thought that, you know, 20 years ago in terms of bringing people together? And by the way, on that topic, I was very struck just by what I saw in the newspapers and online uh, that there were many signs um, by, put forth, I mean, used by people who were supporting uh, same-sex marriage, uh, uh, which in fact was the golden rule, that this is based on love. Uh, and in terms of, you know, of, of this is a person I love, and, and I don't have to say anything more about that. What I'm thinking about is because Christian fanaticism, uh, not not ended in the world today, but certainly much different from it was even a generation ago, let alone, let, let alone two or three hundred years ago. Uh, I guess I'm hopeful uh, that that once Islam, in particular, in this case, in terms of the Middle East. Um, um, can perhaps work through what it means, in fact, now to engage, I'm going to call modern, perhaps we can say Western uh, ideas and ideals, I'm going to call them maybe broadly, uh, broadly speaking, democratic uh, principles, uh, that I'm hoping that perhaps after a time, and especially with the enormous immigration of Muslims to Western countries, where they really now do, for instance, say here in Canada, I mean, Muslims in Canada, must understand, as we all understand, we're all together in this, uh, uh, that we have a common obligation to understand, I'm going to call it, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. I mean, that's what it means to live in a democratic society. Now, many people from, obviously, third world countries, especially uh, Muslim countries, this is a whole new experience for them. And it, it's not something easy to, I mean, it took, took the rest of us generations, if yeah. not centuries. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm hopeful, but I think there is a trend that I think are, are what we call the great uh, religions of Abraham, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, uh, there, there, is, there is much in those religions that can be really fanatical. But I think also fundamentally, they are religions of peace uh, and, and goodwill uh, and, and love and, and, and social justice. So in that sense, I think we have to maintain, I don't have an answer to your question, David, but I think we have to continue, as you, as you send your kids out the door, uh, I think we have to continue to, to believe, not naively, but profoundly, uh, uh, in the, the perhaps one shouldn't say the triumph, uh, but in the significance of these ideals and ideas, and then when people come to understand them, uh, they in fact will embrace them. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, as I'm listening to you speak about, you know, the great religions of Abraham and the, the commonalities there, you know, you talked about love and justice and, and so on. The, the similarity, anything that's anti-relational, we need to fight. Wonderfully, to, need, wonderfully put. I would agree to, with that. We yes. Need to uh, put up our dukes mm-hmm. and say no. That's unacceptable. Whether that's in the corporate environment or the academic world. Mm-hmm. So I, 
or, or, or in the family. Or in the, fa or in that, the family. That, that's and, right. And that's maybe right. even more so that, in mm -hmm, the family because mm -hmm, isn't that mm -hmm. kind of where it starts. So mm -hmm. if you grow up in a home where everything's being swept under the carpet or we don't actually talk about sex, religion, politics, and death, you know, the four biggies, <laughs> which we certainly didn't uh -huh, when uh -huh, I grew up. Uh -huh. I mean, we didn't, we didn't talk about those things and in some ways still don't, you know, mm -hmm. as a family. So anything that's anti-relational, I mean, I look at the curriculum, the, 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 all the concern about the sex education today in the curriculum, and I just, I think it's hysterical in, 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 in a capital H sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Like, I, most of the folks who are upset about it, I don't know that they've actually read what's going on with the curriculum. And really, isn't this about dialogue again? Like, aren't we just... We're not, we're not promoting anything. We're not advocating. We're just saying we need to talk about this. we got to get it on the table. Well, I, I agree with that completely, Dave, but I, I think we are advocating something, which, again, you call relationship. Yes. Or, or, yes. or human decency. Yes. Or sure. human respect sure. Sure. Uh, and, sure. and, and, and human openness. Uh, and uh, uh, there are many varieties of this. And so, uh, you know, my example today, as simple is, uh, obviously it was much more common, I mean, a thousand years ago, I mean, if an individual uh, wants as a, as a monk or a nun to put him or herself on the top of a mountain uh, and live there forever because that's, that's how you commit your life, so be it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a choice, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and uh, probably not the choice for most of us, but yeah. one can respect that as long as it has integrity uh, and it has thoughtfulness, uh, and of course, love if we want to put it that way, sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but, uh, so again, is how we can really encourage each person, each of us, to choose his or her own life to, to make that choice in such a way uh, that it does not obstruct the choices of others. Uh, mm. you know, and, uh, and so in that sense, it's always, as you say, uh, in, in relationship uh, to, to others. And of course, there's always going to be tension and, and perhaps I can say conflict, not, not conflict in terms of violence, uh, but, uh, but constantly these issues to work out uh, are always matters of human effort, human compromise, human engagement, human dialogue, uh, and that's the political arena fundamentally. Uh, and uh, and we, you know, we, have, we, have, we have poverty in the world. Well, how do we deal with it? I mean, I mean, just, I mean that, that means there's going to be sacrifice uh, on the part of all of us at some level, but certainly perhaps those of us who are more privileged, uh, uh, and, uh, and how we work out. Uh, what our proper sacrifices we make for the good of the whole. That's uh, you know, an ongoing engagement, of course, wanna, to which there's no simple answer. I wanna, there is no simple answer. I want to I I <clears throat> talk about this idea of loving others <clears throat> and you know, poverty and how it connects to, to, to us here <coughs> and self-interest and all that in a second. But you, made a, you, you, you said, uh, you know, make choices, this whole idea of freedom, choice, responsibility, deeply existential notion, but make choices that don't obstruct the choices of others. Is that a way? Uh, is that a maxim for you? Is that a is that a, a, a way of making an ethical decision that 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 uh, could inform uh, a political agenda that could inform a leader of a country? Uh, or I, a, or I, a I would think so. I hadn't. I, I don't think I'd actually used that formulation before, David. You know, that's again always a part of part of the mm -hmm. fun of conversation, mm -hmm. right? Or mm -hmm. or dialogue or engagement. Uh, uh, you know, we're we're thinking together, uh, and uh, and then you help me think in a way that I hadn't thought before, mm -hmm. or, or something else comes mm -hmm. to mind, which then I have an opportunity of sharing which with you, or, or, or trying point, it out. Really, yeah, but, um, it's kind of case in point about what we're talking ab about, ab 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 idea, ab right? Absolutely. Uh, uh, so again, uh, um, you know, I, 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 and, and I think, you know, when I make a choice, and most of our choices during the day, uh, I mean, just, just if we go through our daily routine, are, are just 
am I going to have a cup of coffee now or five minutes from now? I mean, not a big choice. Uh, and so most of our choices are within a, within a program, uh, within our, our personal and professional lives. Uh, uh, you know, they don't raise any questions. But, but we do find, I think, when we're thoughtful people and in retrospect, that sometimes, now wait a minute, Brady, you know, what I was, actually what I was doing yesterday I mean, that maybe doesn't really fit somebody else's style. I have to rethink that, you know, and kind of, so suddenly we, we, we can kind of go through a, a routine and then perhaps become a little more thoughtful about uh, that perhaps I was stepping on somebody's toes or taking a little advantage of somebody, or we can put it negatively. Perhaps I let somebody take advantage of me in a way that I, I, I don't really respect, but I wasn't, I wasn't thinking it through. Or perhaps I was a little frightened or, or, or a little uh, dishonest with myself. Uh, so I think, as you said, you know, I think it's the combination of always being open, but also all, always being self-critical. And, and, that, and that combination is always a test of us because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the, the one, one, of, one of my standard uh, phrases, David, it, it, as a teacher, as I say, uh, we have to have open minds, but if your mind is completely open, then your brain will fall out. Mm. So there's no notion of being so open that you, you, have, to, you have to stop thinking or, or, or take responsibility for, for who you are as a person. Uh, and um, I'm always so, I just find so thrilling or, or so moving, it just comes to mind uh, in terms of the, you know, that kind of great statement by Nietzsche that we have to become the person we are. I mean, we aren't just the person we are. We have to become that person. Now, become that person, we have to put ourselves out. We have to put ourselves on the line. We've got to test ourselves. Uh, at the same time, we can't become the person. Uh, we can only become the person we are. We can't, I can't become David or, or I'm out of my mind. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I can't become Jesus or, 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 or the man of the street. Uh, uh, they may be exemplars for my, for my, uh, for my humanity, for my being. But again, this relationship between, between, you know, becoming, which is always in movement, and yet there is a, there's a core for each of us, which, which of course we don't know as such because we're always becoming it. And, and that's what I just think makes uh, our, our life so extraordinarily engaging. And isn't this back to the whole idea of thoughtful action, really? What, uh, so of what kind of action? Thoughtful action. Thoughtful action, yes, Nietzsche, yes, indeed. Isn't this Nietzsche saying we, we need to become who we are? We don't yeah. need to, and this is existentialism, right? Yeah. It is freedom, choice, and responsibility, mm -hmm. and those of us who are running from our freedom are not becoming who we that, are. That's right. Mm -hmm. And the whole notion of who we are is actually who we will be, mm -hmm. right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. Because I think... But also who we have been. Who we've been. And that, so, that relationship, yeah, that's and right. That relationship. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. See, because what's so fascinating to me, you and I and others in the the tradition and so on would love, love phrases like that. You know, we'll, we'll pick up on a phrase like that. Uh -huh. Typically, my wife would read that or my brother would read that and go, what a ridiculous statement, right? And they would gloss over it. Not, not, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying no, 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 they're I, not I, part I, of the tradition. Uh -huh. They haven't sat through, they haven't had these kinds of conversations. So I guess it's always interesting to me to, to hear something like that and then to try to unpack it in mm -hmm. a way mm -hmm. that will connect. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in a conversation not long ago uh, at, at, a, at the college level and uh, talking with a student and, a, and a, a, a teacher and somebody, and I made some comment about how I, I like to kind of use the Socratic method in, in, in class. Oh, I don't like the Socratic method was the response. And I felt like saying, well, actually, you use, you use it quite often. It's no. just you... No, no, never named it no, no, it's, it's very funny, David. I, I, I understand, right. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to say we have to um, um, commercialize some of this stuff, 
but I, I sometimes wonder, um, because there's just so much there, we have to become the person we are. It's about decisions. Well, can, can, it's about choosing. It's about risk. It's about all these things we need to do to be to be pursuing the good life. Right. Right? And, 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 and may I comment on that in of terms course, of... So, yeah, so, cut so, me off. So, yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, oh. Uh, so, some, some of my... knocked over the recorder yeah, there. Uh, so, some of my experience, um, and um, I think, for instance, of, uh, of today, just to, I'm, I'm going to speak very generally, but I'm, I'm going to put it in a Christian context in terms of, of people who, who perhaps were brought up as Christians and don't call themselves Christians today, or people who, who are... Who, who would call themselves Christians and, let's say, attend a church on a regular basis of, of whatever denomination. Uh, and, but what I'm, I'm getting to is very often uh, people may in fact say, no, you know, I, you know this, I don't really understand what we mean by God. I don't understand what we mean by a miracle. What, what is all this Bible stuff? And they can be a so-called believer, so-called unbeliever. What I'm getting to, David, is but in most cases, I actually find these people act in ways that are fundamentally consistent with, we can say, Moses uh, and, and Jesus. I mean, they are loving, kind, thoughtful, engaging people. Uh, and so often there is this, so I'm, I'm simply commenting, there is this, in fact, perhaps the word dichotomy or division between how people actually are and what, what, what we have as the, as the rhetoric of Christianity, perhaps, or the rhetoric of, say, a Nietzschean quotation. Uh, but we really often have to look beyond what people kind of think they're saying. Uh, I'm not speaking about philosophers now, just about all of us in our daily activities, and, and how people actually engage each other, whether with their children, with their colleagues, with their friends, you know, with, their, with their workmates and so on, of course. So, so uh, Socrates said philosophy was a rehearsal for dying. Did, what do you have to say? Well, I, so, so David, I think you know, but I, perhaps I should uh, uh, put you know, kind of one more technical yeah. point about my own, my own uh, philosophic thinking. Uh, is why I mentioned the Spinoza some, some time ago in, in our interview now, uh, and, uh, uh, and a notion of desire is the good and not, and not some, the notion of the desire pursues a good which is, which is in another world, uh, is I make a very strong distinction uh, uh, between uh, what I call the philosophy emanating from the, the, Bible, the, the values of the Bible and, and Greek philosophy, or, or Socrates mm -hmm. in particular. Uh, and so, in fact, uh, um, I mean, the, I'm going to say two things about Socrates. Socrates was always demonstrating uh, to, his, uh, to his interlocutors, so that's why there, in fact, in, in Socrates, there is no Socratic dialogue, because the Socrates always demonstrates that those to whom he is speaking are ignorant. Right. Uh, uh, and uh, and therefore all you know I mean you know it's all pretty evident soon as you dive in <laughs> at all pursuit of the good is an ignorance of the good uh, and that's why he also says that uh, any wrong you do you do in ignorance of the good so there is no responsibility for the wrong because it's always ignorance while we in the biblical tradition hold that that when we do wrong we know we, we may deny it we may evade it uh, we may obviously be in bad faith but in principle we know what the good is. Uh, in terms of our human relations. Um, so in that sense, it seems to me, uh, I'm just going to say that uh, philosophy in, in the tradition that I, I, I work through, so again, in the beginning is philosophy. In the beginning, philosophy begins with the Bible, that in fact, uh, philosophy is a rehearsal for life. Mm. Uh, and I think it is true uh, that for the Greeks and for Socrates and Plato in particular, uh, uh, philosophy is a, is a rehearsal uh, for, for death uh, because uh, to know the good is to be the good in, in the Socratic world. And you can only know the good, uh, you know, 
once you have reached the end, which is, in fact, as Plato says, the separation of the soul from the body, uh, and, uh, and in fact, in which then there is no human consciousness. Uh, so uh, uh, just to repeat, uh, uh, it seems to me that uh, when we have the, the great statement laid in the, the book of Deuteronomy uh, in the Hebrew Bible, uh, you know, choose life, not death. I mean, that's the fundamental, it seems to me, you know, biblical spirit. So, um, just because of the work I, I do international, uh, internationally and, and teaching in the ID program at, at Humber and some of the thinking I do around social justice and this whole idea of the other and validating the other and coming alongside the other and a variety of different ways of putting it, really just an extension of loving your neighbor. You know, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, you know, we're all born in equal, you know, with dignity and rights and so on. You can read through the whole, all of the articles, and, and there is the thread there for sure. This, you know, this respect for the other. This, um, I don't know when I read the newspaper, when I listen to conversation, when somebody gives me the finger on the road because I cut them off. I don't know that that's really where we're all coming from. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we should be necessarily, or in a prescriptive way. Um, and this, I guess, kind of ties back into my question about, you know, you being an optimist and being hopeful and so on. And I think I'm with you on that, by the way. I really do. But sometimes I do despair <laughs> when you look around, uh, you look out your window and you say, wow, this is purely mm -hmm. self-interest. Yep, yep. There, there is no other centered thinking going on here at all. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right, and uh, and so my philo I, I really two comments. Uh, the more, which is a more abstract one, philosophical one, again, uh, is it seems to me that we really have to understand that engagement with the other means that we are responsible, along with our neighbor, for both good and for evil. And so the traditional Christian, I think also Jewish view of this would be, you know, we are all human sinners. Now, sin is not a bad thing. Uh, it simply means that, in fact, we have to acknowledge uh, that there's always... Uh, in a sense, uh, self-interest at play in all of our lives. Uh, and of course there has to be self-interest because the self is interesting, the self is interested, and interest involves the self. So that's the paradox. There can't be life without self and interest. And yet so often, uh, if I reduce all interest to myself, uh, uh, then I, I obviously I, I don't respect your interest and yourself, uh, and that's when all hell breaks loose or we have evil. I mean, in, in a personal relationship, or we can talk about obviously violent situations in the world, or civil wars, or even world wars. Uh, and um, and so yes, I and so again, my, my response to that is, uh, I mean, again, I mean, it's very simple and uh, and never a political solution as such. Um, uh, is that we can say paradoxically the very idea, the very belief, the very uh, commitment that uh, there is human good means in fact we have to acknowledge that it's in light of that good that we have to continuously uh, uh, take responsibility for and, and see uh, the evil in the world that, that, that we do. And, and, uh, and we do is both we humanity but also, you know, we the, the individual, uh, and, uh, and so this is a, it's a, it's a, constant, a constant effort. And um, I, I mean, I don't think, I'm happy to, if you, let's, let's talk about this further, David, uh, but, but I, I'm, just, I'm just, uh, just acknowledging your point mm. uh, that, uh, um, I mean, there's always, it's so simple to say, Ed, but always work to be done, of course. Of and, course, uh, yeah, uh -huh, works uh -huh, in progress. 
I, uh, I, I sort of uh, published a collection of some of my own poetry years ago, and I called it Closed for Renovations. <laughs> well, that's very sweet. <laughs> right. You know, and uh. just the whole idea. It's, it's, and, it's, I mean, and I think I think it really does. I mean, if, if there's a thread in our conversation, to me, it's this idea of thoughtful action, of courage, of risk, of, I mean, ex modern existentialism. But I'm going to jump in because I'm yeah. going to play. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, I'm a Latinist fool. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and uh, so I like the word renovation. So obviously there's the house, and we can think of the enormity of, uh, of you know, the, the house in the, in the Hebrew Bible. God is the house. God is the rock. I mean, this, this, this is the foundation. Uh, and yet it's always being renovated. Well, yeah. what I like about renovated, all life is always a renewal. Uh, and uh, and in a sense, but you can only renew uh, in a sense what you already have built. Now, built may not. I mean, you, you may you may efface or or completely eliminate uh, you know a building on on a particular street and put a new structure in, of course. Uh, but it's going to be built on you know on human hope or human, and it may also be capitalism. I mean, some people are going to make some money out of this, uh, and and others perhaps let's hope have some have some good uh, either these are these are stores for business or uh, you know uh, other. They're, they're obviously units for accommodation and so on, uh, but, uh, uh, but, they're, but they're, they're, there always has to be a core that we, we come out of, and yet that core itself, I'm just repeating, uh, is always renovation or always renewal, and I, I think that's critical here. And, uh, and again, that's relational. You never, you never reach the pinnacle. That's right. You're never I, quite there, and if you do, I mean, it's a classic truism, but if, you're, if you think you're there, you fail. That's right, right? But, if you, if you think, but also I'm going to say, if you don't think you're there, you also failed. Mm. So first, let me give an example of this. I find um, uh, um, when in the past I, I, I was a full-time professor and, and teaching um, you know, also undergraduate students, and I, I took great joy in teaching undergraduates. So what I'm going to say is not critical of first-year students. It's just the learning process. So as we, I, I found when we engage these kinds of questions, say, in, in a, in a first-year humanities course, say, at York University, uh, I mean, students would begin to say, well, I, I think we understand that, Professor Polka. Uh, we, we, have to, we have to pursue the truth. And I would sit back and kind of wait, and I would say yes. But I say, how, how, how do you, how do we in general, speaking quite, quite generally, how do we pursue the truth? And very often I would get some, some silence. I, said to, I would say to the student, what I want to, I want to kind of indicate, and let's bring out, you can only pursue the truth if you are truthful. So you have to begin with the truth to pursue the truth. Uh, and you know that's that's a hard one for a while because that when you say you begin with the truth, it doesn't mean you have all the truth. It doesn't mean you have all the answers. But it does mean that you already, in in a sense, you know, do have uh, you know a purpose, but a purpose which has some love in it, or some care, or some thoughtfulness, uh, or, or or some hope in it, uh, uh, and and some openness to others, uh, and some eagerness, and, uh, and and also some humility and some humbleness. Uh, but the point I want to make is uh, that. Uh, uh, as we as we obviously work, as you say, we 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 we're never at the end, but but also uh, we can't begin except with the end of our lives, which is again we can say human love or human justice, uh, and so there's always that again that paradox. And so again, I'm very interested in the relationship between philosophy and history because we've had some talk already, David, about that this morning, but. The, the notion of we have to become the person we are, uh, I mean, the becoming is the future, but the are is what we are is in the past. Mm -hmm. And so, we, uh, I mean, none of us can literally 
obliterate his past or her past. Uh, uh, at the same time, perhaps somebody wants a gender change uh, or, or wants to really have a whole new experience, perhaps converts to a new religion, uh, and then how you relate that you know, mm -hmm. to your past mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, is uh, extraordinary. I mean, I, I think the example that I just, I just find still flabbergasting uh, is the man, in this case, uh, who had children and, and then decides uh, that he, in fact, is properly a woman uh, and, and, and then undergoes the changes, physical and, uh, and emotional, uh, mental, uh, spiritual, to, to become the woman that he is. But he is still called by his children, which I should say, he is still called by her children, mm. dad. Mm -hmm. Although he, now he's a woman. Now, and I just comment on that. I mean, uh, but that, that's central to our lives. Uh, but, but, but the point what I want to make is that it's just kind of fun to see that now we're two or three people, uh, and yet there still has to be a common core or a common right. base, right. a common history here. Um, we're going to have to wrap up in a couple minutes, but so you, you, you can only pursue the truth if you're truthful in relation to this, uh, this um, you know, the sexuality uh, example that you use here. Truthful authenticity. I think authenticity yeah. is a very yeah. important word. Okay. That's right. Uh -huh. And yeah. I, I would I would say integrity also. Integrity. And dignity. But yeah. uh, but I think authenticity yeah. is is a is yeah. a very nice. Uh -huh. and relational, uh -huh. political, but, but again sexual. again I'm going to be a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a philological pedant here because <laughs> authenticity is you have to be the author of yourself. Right. You have to really author yourself, and that also means to authorize yourself. And there's authority. I mean, all of these wonderful words, uh, you know, come together. But but I, but I think authenticity is, is a is an extremely important concept. Well, and just yes. To and just to come back, sort of full circle uh, to the Kierkegaard circle. <laughs> I mean, isn't this really what? What he was, <laughs> what he was on about. Yeah, you can, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to to begin and end with Kierkegaard this morning, David. Uh, I wouldn't put Kierkegaard above some other, you know, major critical thinkers or even even perhaps writers like Shakespeare and so on. Uh, but 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 yes, I, I think that's right. Again, you know, to be the person you are, uh, you know, to risk to be, uh, to be authentic. Uh, and uh, and uh, and but again, to be authentic often means we each of us has to re-examine his or her life and say, now wait a minute, I'm probably have been rather inauthentical in some area of my life and have to have to rethink that in terms of. But but but, but absolutely yes. Thanks for joining us today, Professor Brayton Polka, uh, York University. His new book uh, coming out soon, hopefully sooner than later, uh, is uh, in the beginning is philosophy on desire and the good. Thanks for joining us today. It's been an absolute delight. Well, thank you very much, David. It's been a pleasure for me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.